Thank you very much. I'll just start my timer. Um, I think I've got 60 slides and 30 minutes. So this will be a, another speed talk uh, event at Tampa Tantrum. <laughs> I don't think I need to say much more about uh, my company. This is my colleagues. Um, and uh, this um, subject is a bit different than you know you know would normally find because this is about business models of coffee roasteries and why am I this interested in, in this and that's actually my background as a consultant. Uh, I've seen many businesses and I've seen very very different businesses, uh, uh, different uh, you know still a coffee roastery, different business from the other coffee roastery and people often struggle they think you know when I buy a roaster there's kind of only one business model that I kind of have to roll out and that's basically selling to everybody who would drink coffee. And that's a bad idea, and I'll explain you why. So, <clears throat> when I work as a consultant, you know, I, I'm very aware that this is the starting point, people. You know, they want to, you know, make a living of their hobby, which is a great idea to some extent. And um, so you need, you know, th there needs to be something you love to do, and you also need a bit of a talent. Uh, it's not that you can't do it, but you know, it, it's often uh, correlated. If you, if, um, if you are good at something, you also like it. But w w the difference between a hobby and a business is that you need to, you cannot do everything only that you love to do. You also need to consider uh, the sales uh, aspect of your uh, business. Otherwise, it will not survive as a business. It will just be an expensive hobby. Um, and and uh, this is something you need to balance all the way through. Uh, you need to remember what you love to do and you need to remember what can sell. If you only consider what can sell, you will end up being very anxious and, uh, and uh, forget the love of what you do. And if you end in the other extreme, you don't care about your customers. So it's a balance that you need to st uh, strike in the beginning and keep revisiting both camps to make sure that you are in the middle. Never forget the love of what you do and also remember that if it's a business you're building, you should uh, also um, uh, make sure that the business thrives. And then I just have a small model here by an um, uh, entrepreneurship um, uh, thinker, uh, my, uh, Michael Gerber. And a business that thrives has got three personalities active in the business. Um, the technician, is where most European and American uh, businesses start. It's exactly the technician who dream about making uh, his, uh, his or her hobby uh, a business, to really uh, make a living from, from the hobby, which is a great idea, uh, except that often there are two other personalities missing in the business. One is the entrepreneur and the other one is the manager. The technicians kind of lives in the now for the good cup of coffee, which is great, but sometimes the technician only dreams about the good cup of coffee and then the vision is restricted to the good cup of coffee. So as long as they make a good cup of coffee, you know, they don't have other visions for the business, which is a, um, a, a dangerous position. So you, you kind of need the entrepreneur to dream about, you know, what could this be in five years and then be very specific and then take a lot of steps. You know, if I want to be there in five years, what steps could I do now to, you know, go there step by step? 
So that's needed. So the dreamer that lives in the future is needed for the business to have momentum and competitive edge in a few years. Um, and the technicians uh, is not necessarily very good at that. And then you have to, the, to have the manager that kind of, you know, catches all the balls that the technician and entrepreneur just throws. Somebody needs to make sure that all the hours are calculated and all the accounts are done and stuff like that. And that's, a, that's kind of a, a personality that lives in the past. So to have a balanced business, you kind of either have to develop the sites that you don't have, or you should partner up with somebody who does to, to kind of have a business that's balanced and thriving. Because if you are missing out on so, some of these, your business will suffer. Have you tried this? The business plan. Everybody hates it, uh, or unless you've understood, you know, the, or you are the entrepreneur who is dreaming about the future, something that's not there yet, and you can describe it very uh, in detail. And, you know, so the technician hates this plan. They just want to make the nice coffee. Why would we dream about something that's not even here yet? Um, so it might ex excite the entrepreneur and satisfy the manager, but not the technician. They just want to make the nice coffee. And, uh, you know, there are so many assumptions. Uh, it works for a big market uh, with a known product and a known market. So that's why the bank tells you to do it, because they are used to working, you know, if you want to open a pharmacy or something like that, the bank can just, you know, that, this is a, a account plan and this is the, you know, the, the way that you would normally do it. So that is known products and known markets. So it's easy to make a business plan uh, for, for, for big companies, but you are, uh, most people in the coffee business are really small companies. So here the lean startup methodology is, uh, is really handy. Because in the Lean Startup methodology, you don't spend a lot of time really thinking about uh, how can I extrapolate something into the future. You're just looking at different elements in the business and see what would work, what kind of product could I uh, invent that would really satisfy uh, uh, my, uh, my, the customers that I hope to attract with the activities that I would love to do. And the point is that rather than making a long business plan, you, um, you kind of want to see if you can make a fit between something that you think uh, a feature of the product, only one feature that is evaluated uh, by a customer that you hope exists. And then the, the point is um, you are trying to find somebody who is, uh, is an early adapter, somebody who was, would really love the feature that you are you're giving. If it's freshness, you know, they would excuse that the bag is not really nice. And this is where you, I often, Rather than uh, investing in, 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 in roasters, I think, you know, I, I often tell people, just buy a home roaster and try to make a full product line. This is not perhaps exactly the quality you will make in the future, and um, it, it, it will take you a lot of time. But the point is, you can actually buy some bags, and you can, if you are patient, you can make a few kilos, and you can try to sell it. And then if, it's, if there's, there's a certain feature about this, if it's the roast degree, if it's the, you know, the terroir, whatever, you think there's a small market here that would really appreciate just this, they would excuse the, you know, the, that it's not roasted on a, a 12 kilo machine and that the bags are not as nice as they, they could be, but you can test out your market uh, to see if, um, and it's much better to test the market than, than just sit, sit and make your business plan. So you're, it's much more iterative, small things that you test rather than a huge business plan with a lot of assumptions. So the, the point is that you need to have a very specific feature that you sell, try to sell to a very specific customer segment. And uh, this, is, this model is really handy in that you are imagining a specific customer. And then this customer, there's something they need to have done. 
it could be, you know, just satisfaction, you know, aesthetic satisfaction, or it, it could be that they really want to be associated with a cool brand. You know, every customer would buy something if they have something that it does that improves their lives. So you have some pains and gains, addresses pains, or you can uh, create gains. That's how you uh, become very specific about a specific customer segment. So uh, the point is that you would, um, you would try to, rather than thinking, I need to sell to everybody, you have to think about, okay, if I should think about a very specific customer segment, what would this customer appreciate? What kind of pains do they have? And what gain could I give them? And what kind of values could I create that, that uh, alleviates the pains or gives them satisfaction? Okay, so this is a, a brainstorming you can do for each of your customer segments. And the point is, once you understand your customers, then you can map out with the business model canvas of Alexander Osterwalder. This is a really nice, simple uh, method that makes non-business people actually start to be really creative on business innovation. So this is why I bring it up. And this is also the framework for the research uh, that I'll uh, show you later. Because here, once you've got your customer segment, then you, can, then you can start to brainstorm what kind of organization is needed to keep this customer segment happy. Because now you know the features or the, the properties or the preferences of your customer. And then you can start to think, okay, which channels could I uh, reach these customers? That could be web or it could be non-web. So it's only personal contact or it could be through other channels. So you have to brainstorm for this particular uh, customer segment, what channel is it that I, is the best channel to reach them? And uh, then also the customer relationship. Would this customer actually prefer to be completely anonymous and just get the order done? Don't have to call you and speak uh, and you know, it's just got, uh, want to get the order done. Or would they actually prefer to have a key account manager that knows them and knows about their kids and stuff like that? So you need to know your customer in terms of what kind of relationship would they appreciate. And the next thing, uh, is what is the features of my product that satisfy them? What is the value proposition? What is the value that my uh, uh, product has that, that is distinct on the market, uh, where I differentiate myself in the market? Uh, what is the specific values? And here it's important not to be too geeky. It's not only the quality of the coffee. It's also the design. It's also the kind of community you've built around your brand. And it could be your location. It could be a lot of things. It could be services included, services not included, so, uh, you know, training is included, all those things. So this is the features of your product that, you know, or the values of your products that's delivered to your customers. And then once you've uh, defined that, that's kind of the, the, the fit between the, the features of your product and the segment and how you reach them. The next thing is what kind of activities do I need to keep up in my business to create these values? And what is the resources needed to, to, uh, to uh, carry out these activities to create the values to my customers? And what external partners do I need? And why this is important is, this is this, there's always a, you know, a revenue stream coming from different customers. And there's also a cost structure uh, um, associated with uh, different uh, activities and resources. So the point is, for example, and a really interesting question is, um, do you, should you buy your ro the roaster uh, up front or should you wait? So here you can see that's a kind of, uh, so the, uh, the resource is the roaster. Do you have a roaster or not? If you don't, or if you do, is it reflected in the cost structure? So is it a good idea to buy it up front or should you test the market first? 
as you uh, noticed in the beginning, I said it is a good idea to just buy a home roaster and test the market first. That affects your cost structure and your startup budget. You don't actually don't need to buy a roaster up front. You can wait. So you can see, you know, what kind of uh, activities would I have to have in-house or ex-house? Could also be service technicians, you know. What about all my customers' machines? Would I like to have a service department myself? Which could be an extra revenue stream because people pay for service, but there's an investment. Would I like to have that investment or not? So here you can map out the organization and the revenue streams and cost structures associated with it. And this is actually really easy when you need to first you know, map out the different types of customers you could do. So let's say you have four different customers that you could have. Restaurants, you know, private, uh, uh, private, uh, or uh, yeah, um, what's it called? It's called something in English. Uh, retail, um, and then you can map out what kind of organization is needed to keep this customer segment happy, and then you can go to the first slide and see what kind of life is that I want to live, and then you can see if there's a match between those activities, and then it makes it very easy for you to say. I don't want these customers if there's a discrepancy between what they require and how you want to live your life. Do you want to have your weekends off? Don't have coffee shops. Then you should have offices and things like that. It's really specific and it's really important for how you want to, you know, how the business unfolds, how it affects your life. Okay? So this is a really handy tool and I, uh, this is really interesting because this is really something that can be communicated to the community. And I've seen a lot of different businesses, so I wanted to map out the types of different, uh, different businesses found in uh, the coffee roasting community. So we started a research project and uh, we've uh, launched it um, earlier uh, this year. And we are not done yet, but we already have um, uh, 70 completed. Uh, we need 200 or 300 completed um, and uh, so so but I, I just have some interim uh, analysis uh, for you today um, so the the structure of the survey is uh, there are four parts first we are mapping out business data and f uh, founder demographics uh, then we are uh, analyzing the business per element so we are asking uh, all the nine elements in the business model uh, how uh, the business is and then there's the, uh, the pivot is uh, every time a business makes a major change in one of the, of the elements means that they are changing the business uh, a lot. It could be if you completely drop the whole restaurant, you really focused on all the restaurants, you found out I don't want to do it, I would do, like to do something else. Or it could be that you, uh, you know, had a, a, you know, only one type of revenue stream could be, you know, that you give people credit. And then you go to you know, payment upfront or even subscriptions. That's uh, different types of revenue streams that could uh, satisfy or dissatisfy different types of customers. Or it could be that you choose to, you started with a roaster, but you found out I, it's much cheaper for me to just rent a roaster down the road and I can have it done. So I sell this, get the cash, invest in something else, invest in my sales channel and get a better business. And then somebody else has got the headaches of, of uh, the roaster. That, that's also a, a pivot. A major change in one of the nine elements is defined as a pivot in this uh, Lean Startup methodology. And then the fourth point, uh, so we asked, you know, we've mapped out who they are, we mapped the business model, and when we asked them to think of a major event in the, one of the elements of the business, uh, uh, elements uh, in the business model, uh, historically, 
and then we just asked uh, to, them to think about this and then answer a lot of questions about this major change. Uh, so we are also analyzing the dynamic that makes improvements to business models um, uh, typically. And then we have some questions about risk aversion. And that's because I do this with uh, somebody from uh, or Christina from uh, Copenhagen Business School. And there's the whole risk averse uh, uh, dialogue in, in, uh, is very important to her. And only founders of roasteries are allowed to, to, to fill this out. So we are correlating business model with uh, psychological risk uh, aversion, which is pretty interesting, I think. Um, so I'll just quickly go through uh, all the slides to give you an impression of uh, what kind of questions are in the, um, um, in the, in the survey. So are you partner owner in the roaster? This is just to show you that only if you uh, say yes here, you are allowed uh, uh, to answer the, uh, the survey. There's a huge gender, um, <laughs> uh, what's it called, uh, bias. Um, education, we ask for education, seem to be a very well-educated uh, group. Um, form of ownership, family-owned, single-owner partnership. Um, so there's a lot of single owners. Uh, but it, it seems like it's pretty well distributed between the three. Um, you know, this is, this is basically data that we would like to use later to kind of stratify uh, the later answers. So this is more, you know, mapping out the properties of the business so we later can start to segment uh, the data. Um, and then comes all the elements of the business uh, model canvas. So here, I've just tried to brainstorm what type of, uh, you know, different types of customer segments. So B2C, uh, private, uh, marketplaces, coffee shop, cafes, individual bakeries, major bakery chainers, coffee shops, supermarket offices, canteens, coffee card owners, consulting, roastery, um, uh, white label, customers abroad or others. And you can, uh, you can supply another roastery if you roast some of their coffees. So it's just to make sure, and so they buy your coffee. So I just try to brainstorm all possible uh, customer segments that I could think of. And then I uh, brainstormed all the different sales channels that I could think of. So you could have your own retail shop. You could have your own retail web shop, uh, hotel, uh, wholesale uh, web shop. You could have your own cafes, uh, own coffee shops, um, restaurants, coffee carts, and so on. You can read them all. Um, because the route, uh, this, uh, you know, you sell at, at another price if you have your own retail shop. You, you, you get the margin yourself uh, rather than wholesaling. And, um, and this, here we, uh, we try to map out the different value propositions. Uh, do you mainly compete on price? That's a value proposition for a lot of people in the commodity. And here you can see it seems like most of the people who answered are a specialty. Uh, competing on service, uh, uh, investing in branding, all these values that you could provide um, to your customers. Um, do you charge for barista training? Do you give them equipment for free? Uh, do you give them free service? Um, do you sell equipment? Uh, do you sell service? Um, you know, all the things you can do to keep your customer happy, other than just the coffee. Um, what kind of um, uh, promotion challenge uh, do you use? That's one of the uh, 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 questions in the channel element. Uh, 
social media. Um, how do your customers pay for coffee? Um, this, is, this is interesting in the, in the revenue stream to analyze how people get their money. Um, and that can be, mean a lot for your cash flow. If you have, have subscription, it completely changes your cash flow. You get your uh, money even before buying the greens, which is a really good idea. Uh, uh, if you have customers who like it. <laughs> um, and also, uh, do you get credit to customers? So we are trying to here also analyze um, how, um, you know, how they are, um, uh, you know, how cleverly people are, how much people are uh, kind of pleasing their customers or not. Um, and did you have a written business plan before starting the company? 70% did, 30% didn't. Um, and then we can use this to stratify, okay, these 70%, how did they, you know, are they all out of business? <laughs> and only the 30% is in, and so on. So we can use this to stratify the data later. Um, was your first Roastmaster partner in the company? That also says something about the startup culture in the business, that the Roastmaster is actually partner. Um, is your current Roastmaster partner in the business? And then we can see if there's a tendency that you start as Roastmaster and then leave the position. And as you can see, it actually seems like it hasn't really changed. But that also depends on what uh, companies we've got. But at the moment, it seems like it's pretty, pretty stable. Do you still roast, Steve? <laughs> I, yeah. Occasionally. Occasionally. Very occasionally. <laughs> Great. Um, rank the most important sources of new knowledge. That's, that's also really interesting to know. You know where, where is it that people gain knowledge? Um, and uh, also, I think you know there's an error here because I I, I forgot to have uh, none of these, <laughs> so I think that they just chose this if they didn't have any of them, uh, but I've changed that now. But th that was just to um, uh, yeah to get an idea of, of uh, how much the certification system is used at all. Um, do you have a, co a green coffee buyer in your company? That says something about how much you invest as as well. Uh, uh, you know upstream. Uh, in your in your uh, what's it called supply chain uh, channel, um, and uh, who does it? You know how many uh, roasteries has got a, a dedicated green coffee buyer, and we can also use that to to stratify uh, later. Um, this is uh, this is another thing that I, I think says a lot about uh, the you know the temperament of the the, the, the roastery. Uh, I see a lot of. Um, People filling bags manually with a scoop, which might be, you know, great uh, if the turnover is not too high, or if it's very important for you not to get industrial. So, you know, as long as you have a brand that that kind of, you know, where this is appreciated, I think it's fine. Um, so, but it just says something about the business, not good or bad. It just uh, it's an important uh, marker. Um, which type of fire extinguishers do you have? That's also something about, you know. Uh, if, if, if people know what can go wrong and if they plan for it or they just hope the best. Um, have you invested in quality control uh, equipment uh, such as, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, 70% doesn't have a, a color meter. So how do they make sure the consistency is there? Um, and also, uh, do you have your own equipment to, uh, to, uh, to analyze um, the green coffee coming in, such as moisture meters. Um, 
yeah, what's the general? I've just seen a lot of uh, of these uh, uh, backgrounds in in partnerships. So that's I think that would be interesting to see how the partnerships are formed. What resources? This is actually a kind of res what's what resources do you have? Uh, other than the roaster, so the more the human resources. Um, and how much uh, did you um, raise yourself of your startup budgets? Uh, so 80% uh, were able to, to raise the budget uh, amongst the active founding partners of the company, and some uh, got from a silent partner or some got from public. So there's, it seems like people are really bootstrapping this. Um, um, Copping sessions is another thing, you know, how much uh, uh, resources are used on a daily basis to, to quality control and know your product and, and educate yourself. Um, how often do you go to origin? How much is invested in, you know, the story aspect of the upstream um, and uh, also in, in education? Um, and also, uh, how much do you please your customers? Um, and uh, in terms of service, and um, and did you invest in the the roaster as part of your startup or didn't you? So twelve percent didn't, um, but eighty eight percent did, which is, I think it's a high percentage, but that's because people assume if you start a roaster, you buy a roaster, um, which might be a good idea or not. But it depends. This is a risk thing. When is it that you put the money? Is it just because you think it's a good idea or is it because you have tested that there is a market? The market you hope for is there. And I've seen too many, and this might even almost be the reason that I'm doing this, you know, I've seen too many investing a lot and struggling. So, um, and it, yeah. Um, we had invested in education as part of the startup budget. We invested in consultancy um, as part of the uh, budget. And um, do you roast coffee or to some somebody else? Um, and there, are, I've seen a lot of different combinations of these. So that's why I would really like to know um, if, because some uh, uh, have a production facility and roast everything themselves. Some has a production facility, but still have uh, some coffee roasted by others. Um, and some has an external partner that does everything. Or, and this is seen uh, more and more often now, that uh, we roast the coffee uh, by renting uh, space in a roastery. Um, so that, that's seen more and more often. Uh, we have one in, in Copenhagen, uh, and also uh, Tate in, uh, in London uh, does it. Um, and this is, this is really a lean uh, way to start because you don't have to invest in the equipment. You can test your market uh, without putting all the risk up front. So that, that's, that's really a lean, uh, lean way of starting. And um, yeah, indicate the percentage of your total volume turnover through which channels uh, you, you get your green coffee. And, uh, and this is interesting because uh, it's not always very clear if people source direct or they have a supplier. Uh, so that, that's, that's just an interesting number to get. Uh, by the way, everybody who answers this uh, survey, it's completely confidential. So it's uh, just, you know, generic statistics that will come out. Um, yeah, 
machine supplies and service. Uh, we sell e equipment, um, and we have or we have partners. So this is the this is the partner external partner aspect. As was the roasting. Do we roast ourselves or do we have partner uh, partnerships? Okay. So now uh, we are asking people. Uh, identify the event in the life of your business where you made a major change in the in elements in your business model. And um, then we ask people, you know, did you start or did you stop charge for barista training? So it seemed like people uh, start, many people when they made a big change in their business, they started to charge for barista training. They didn't, so they, they didn't uh, give it for free uh, anymore. Uh, give equipment and service for free. Uh, most people stopped <laughs> doing that. And, um, and also most people stopped giving service for free. Um, and also uh, people started to sell equipment to customers instead of giving it for free. That was an important uh, uh, change for many people. Um, and also started to charge for service of machines. So it seems like when you start your business, you are really trying to please, but once you get more sober, <laughs> you kind of start to, to charge. Um, green coffee sourcing is something that people, that, that seems like a major thing that people take on when uh, later on. Um, and uh, people start to stop relying on external capital, which is also a really inter interesting dynamic. Um, and uh, people also start to own their own premises. So this is seen as you know, a healthy consolidation, perhaps, um, or a stupid investment. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, and then before impo the important event uh, identified in the questions, did you have a revised vision with a corresponding business plan shared with stakeholders? Or did you make the decision primarily on intuition? Most did. And remember uh, the question in the beginning, do we have, did you have a written business plan? 70% had, but when they made a big change, 70% would go with intuition. That's interesting. Okay, so I just got some, uh, because this is just uh, what I just uh, was show, uh, showed you the data, mapping every, uh, all the data, but not really correlation analysis. And this is something that we'll spend a lot of time on once we get more data point, but I just asked Christina to give us some initial findings. So we defined, first of all, we needed to define the size of a company because that's an important marker. So we defined a small company with a, a company with less than four employees and a big one is more than four. And we also uh, we measured this, you know, number of employees, uh, uh, kilo coffee turnover, or uh, and then we calculated the financial turnover per kilo coffee as an in interesting indicator. Uh, so small companies are less than uh, 10 tons per year, and big company is more. So these are the current findings, uh, initial findings, um, and you can see uh, if the size measured as uh, numbers in employees is highly correlated with coffee turnover and moderately correlate with financial turnover. Um, so uh, it seems like uh, companies, they grow a lot in kilos and also uh, in number of people, but it doesn't seem like they are really successful in ma making a, a, a better business out of it. <laughs> um, so it seems like uh, coffee turnover and, and financial turn turnover is not correlated. <laughs> this is a bit scary, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah, firms uh, operating with large volumes of coffee are not the same firms that uh, uh, those with the highest cash flow per kilo of coffee. And when it comes to a major change in the business model, uh, there's a clear trend that small businesses and low income per kilo of coffee uh, changes less. So small businesses are not likely to make big changes in their business plans. Larger companies and those with higher turnover has a, a more dynamic relationship to the uh, customers and the, the product, uh, products they develop. So they're more agile in adapting to the market. And large companies often have a strong fo focus on one sales channel. So the bigger and more successful the company, the fewer uh, sales channels and fewer customer segments. And uh, companies with a clear focus on specific sales channels, regardless of channel, is more likely to, uh, uh, to make changes. And companies with many employees has a narrower focus on sales channels. So these are the initial findings, and I'm, I'm a bit over time, so I, but it's also my last slide, so it's two minutes. These, I'd like you to take a picture of this slide uh, so that you can explore this, uh, the, the, the background of, of, of uh, what inspired me to, to do this study, uh, or what kind of thoughts, and also what could you know, help you in your own uh, business development. That's it. This was a speed talk. I just wanted to inform you about the type of research going on uh, so that you know approximately what to expect when we are done uh, in, I don't know, six months or so. Um, but we have prepared some questions to get some even more, uh, you know, just, just, to, just to probe your businesses uh, and what's going on in this room in terms of different business models. Um, um, so. Let's start that session now. So while Jen's setting that up, I, I've got a couple of questions from the audience, Morton. So yeah. we'll, uh, this is called filling for time. Yeah. Um, we've got um, a question. How do you find out what your customers think your best values are? So that it's from Anonymous, so I can't credit it to anybody. Um, there's a, in the Lean Startup method, methodology, there's a, uh, a saying that get out, of, get out of the office, talk to your customers. Um, and you know, there are two ways you can get out information of your customers. One is asking, but you, don't, you shouldn't actually trust them because they could say a lot of things uh, that, that, that is just to please you or to you know, make their own egos uh, look better, uh, which is fine, but that doesn't give you the information. So that's why, I don't know if you've seen the Rico speak that, that I uh, did on the consumer preferences. That's where you, in behavioral economics, you put up a small kind of a lottery where people can win so that you install an incentive and then you make sure that you don't ask them, but you just notice the behavior. So that you just see, you know, it could be, you know, just serve uh, two different qualities. You, you can get a free cup of coffee, taste the two, which one would you like to, you know, you'll get a free cup of coffee. And then you can, you'll, you'll notice what do they actually choose. That is behavioral economics because you're just observing behavior. And you're, not, you're not asking. And the, this is really the, 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 the good data because you don't care you know, about uh, you know, what people say. You care about what they purchase. Um, so that's, that's an important uh, point. But you can get a lot of knowledge by, uh, by asking. So what we actually do when we do uh, this uh, as consultants, we, we run a big survey in the country to get you know, demographics, and then we do a focus group. 
And then the focus group, we get, you know, personas associated with the different types of demographics. And so focus group is really, you know, just speak with people. Or you could make it a bit more formal and then that, that's a focus group, okay? So speak with your customers and, and also measure their behavior, not only trust them. I know it's very early days in the, the data that you're getting together, but is there anything that's jumped out and really surprised you so far that was like, I wasn't expecting that result? Um, not really. Perhaps one of them is that uh, how many people buy their roaster as you know, the startup budget. I don't think it's a bad idea. It's just very risky, isn't it? It's a lot of money. Why don't you test the market first as the first, you know, that, that's kind of my, uh, my intuition. Um, so that, that, that's, you know, that's one of the things. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there's a... Uh, Jack Ryan. What, if you had the money then, sort of, uh, I'm in the planning stages of a budget. So if it wasn't wise to put that huge chunk of money into a roaster business, is there, into a roaster, is there something else that you would say is more effective? Yeah. Um, well, when you b build a business, you're always, uh, you're, you're always running under limited resources. Mm -hmm. So you always have to prioritize. So you can invest you know, upstream, which is you know, in the green coffee sourcing or in all your equipment, or you can invest downstream, uh, and that is in your sales channels. So rather than investing in a, uh, you know, um, a, a roaster, you could, you could invest in your time running a lot of different uh, uh, consumer uh, tests or uh, uh, focus groups or really, okay, I'll spend six months testing out my local market. There's a lot of costs related to six months of doing that. But that you might be much better off and then, you know, if you find nothing, you know, you've only invested your own time. You don't have your bank all the time. Uh, telling your family to leave the house because you can't afford it. So, so it, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the lean startup, the, lean, the whole lean production thing is, you know, how can you make only the next step that makes value for me and my customers rather than anything else? So the lean thing is, you know, avoid wastes. And waste is resources, time, uh, all that. So lean startup is to only make all the steps that is, uh, you know, steps towards the vision that you're, that you're looking for. And nothing else. And then, you know, sometimes you are better off testing the market than, than, than buying, you know, going, uh, visiting all the, the farms, uh, making contracts and buy the roaster. That might be a great idea. I don't know. In some markets, it might be a, a good idea. But it's a huge risk because what if people don't want to buy the coffee? You have a roaster and you've got a container coming. Um, so it's just being more aware what is the risk element of my business currently and where should I put my effort? So technology has failed us on this occasion because the, you've all, I think somebody somewhere is downloading torrents and the internet has just crashed. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to the old fashioned way and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I know this is going to be really hard work <laughs> for you, but I, I believe in you, I really do. Um, so the first question is, have you heard about lean startup mythology? Yes. Uh, no. Before the lecture. <laughs> uh, no. And not sure. No, some people have said not sure. Put your hands up. We know you're out there. <laughs> so that's about 50-50. I mean, that's fairly representative of what yeah. we've seen yeah. um, from the first one there. Um, is that what you expected? Um, 
Yeah, I'm actually happy that uh, that many people heard about it already. I hope you didn't. These are smart people. We only have smart people <laughs> yeah, come to yeah. Roasters Guild. Um, Great. Uh, did you know about the difference between business plans and business models? Yes. No. Don't know. Come on. There we go. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Do you want to explain that one? Uh, it, it, it's, it's just it's probing a bit deeper if you really understand what the Lean Startup is all about. <laughs> and is that what you would expect as well? or? Yeah, but I'm, I'm really surprised that, that many people have heard about it. But I, I think that's great news for the community because this is people starting to being interested in the business aspect of, you know, of, of what they're doing and not just you know, uh, hoping to live of their hobby and having visions, uh, visions beyond the, the great cup of coffee that I love and I really cherish. But, you know, you have to, if it's a business, it's more than that. So I think, think this is really promising for the, for the community. Do you think there's been, uh, as an industry, we've been a little bit embarrassed to, for it to be a business as well and that we make money from it? Because it's certainly something I, I've experienced of, you know, people feel that they're not allowed to make money from selling coffee. It's got to be their passion and, yeah. you know, their, their drive. That, that, might be, that might be the explanation. Mm -hmm. But, but I, uh, in the beginning, you know, mostly I think it's because people just, you know, love the cup of coffee and want to have that as a focus. Yeah, it, it, in a sense, that's more, you know, the idealistic, platonic, you know, uh, idea of getting into the godly realm. And then the other, the businesses, you know, the pragmatic lower realm. That, that we shouldn't get too involved in as you know idealists and that, that, that's a bit of that in the specialty coffee business which I you know like but I think it's also wise to spend a bit you know time in the pragmatic world as the businesses yeah. so the next question was did you or will you have a business plan business model um, ideation before starting your business yes no that's it that's, there was so no people didn't are still know. navigating by the, by the stars, which yeah. is great. <laughs> um, the next question, oh, this is lots of options, though. I've got 10 options to go through. Oh, yeah, but, oh. You know, yeah, but this is, yeah, that was really best as tick off. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, we'll skip let, that let's one. do it, let's do it. Okay, we'll do that one. Okay, we're going to do it. So if you have a coffee roasting business, how many different customer segments do you have? And you saw the segments up earlier there. So one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So four, five businesses, uh, business uh, seg uh, customer segments. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody who raised their hand for four, put your hand back up. I'm going to pick on you. Can you tell me what those are? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> Wholesale, internet, what were the other ones that were up there? White label. White label. Yeah, cafes and... <coughs> yeah, coffee shops, ca cafes. And, uh, no, how to distinguish between a coffee shop and cafes? Some people do, so that's why I've, you know, headed there. <laughs> oh, by the way, Tyler, you've had a text message come through. No, you haven't. I've just got locked out. <laughs> <laughs> Read <Slick>. the message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you give training for free? Yes? No. Some people don't give okay. training at all. Most, most people give training, yeah. Um, did you invest in a roaster as part of your startup? Yes? And no? So, yeah, that, that's 
pretty uh, aligned with the results we had. It was 80-20, and here it was more like, you know, 70-30, I don't know. You can you can rent it, uh, rent a professional roaster, or you can just buy a home roaster. Well, a white label. Uh, yeah, a white label. Yeah, there's a lot of options. I can share what I did. Uh, what we did is that we kind of just asked around and said, "Is it possible for us to use the roaster on the day of the week that you're not using it? Because they won't be roasting seven days a week." So uh, why why did you do that? Uh, because it wasn't possible for us to move into our space until the end of next year, well, mid-next year, and we're ready to go now. Uh, and I want to I get our systems developed, I want to get our online base set up, I want to do it without the, the fear of, of investing all of that at that one time, because it's an enormous amount of money to sink into one object that will go into your business. So That's, that's Lean Startup. Yeah. That's a very good question because we asked around a lot to try and because the people who rented us the roaster also didn't know how much to charge us. Uh, <laughs> so he may kill me for saying this, <laughs> but uh, we're going to pay um, 3,000 kroner a week, which I think is the equivalent. Uh, that's two days. So a day of roasting and a day of QC. Um, and that I think is the 3,000 Norwegian, I think is the equivalent of 300 euro. Um, so it's not per kilo. It's not per... We so were you thinking ra roast from 1 in the morning to 11 <laughs> in the... <laughs> but the thing is, is that w this is going to be scalable. So in the beginning, we're going to be roasting not that much, I can imagine. Uh, so then we are going to... Uh, once we start doing a lot more, uh, then we will renegotiate the contract and pay more. Um, that's what we've decided with these guys. They've been very generous with us, actually. But that's because we buy green coffee from them as well. So, yeah. <laughs> That helps. Um, did you hire a consultant as part of your startup budget? Yes. A, start, a consultant as part of your startup. So somebody who came in to help uh, give business ideas. Yes. And no. I think that's also uh, uh, aligned with the, the results. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you have any of these certifications? And raise your hand if you have them. Um, it just says SCAE. Oh, SCAE and SCAE. Is it meant to be SCAA? Yeah. SCAE? SCAA? Q grader? None. <laughs> okay. Um, if you have a business plan, have you made a pivot in your business plan? Yeah, uh, yes? No. And if you made a pivot, please indicate there's loads again. <laughs> there's nine, exactly. One okay. per element. I'm not good at counting. Um, if you made a pivot, please indicate which element were most central in your change. Customer segments? Sales channel? Customer relationship? Value proposition offered? Type of business activities? Company resources, external partners, cost structure, and revenue structure. Okay. So it seems like it was downstream your cost customers and values and, and channels. 
what I'm going to ask you to do is actually we're going to keep the poll open and I think yeah. if we can get that data in still, so please when you, you know, the internet calms down and, you know, people stop downloading their torrents, we can get all of that data together and is there somewhere that people can maybe come and see that? You could publish yeah, it on your Twitter or something? Or, or, or blo a blog somewhere, yeah. you know, Roasters Guild or... Yeah, so we'll put, the, we'll put it on there and we'll get Roasters Guild to tweet about it once it's up and uh, you'll be able to see all of that data. I think it'd be interesting. Please in, uh, put the data in, that would be amazing. Say if you close down your Wi-Fi and just use your uh, regular mobile, you can access it. We can't afford roaming charges. <laughs> We're roasters, not millionaires. <laughs> um, fantastic. Has anybody got any uh, questions that they'd like to ask Morton about the presentation? As I've lost my internet connection. And there's no, there's no questions. No, no. But I, on the questions part for the bit as well. I just wondering if there was anything about the age of the companies. Obviously, it's about startup, but would any results correlate to, like yeah. one year, two year, three year? Or we we have the the, the date of uh, the, the, when the, the when the company was founded, and then we can calculate you know how old it is from from that. So we there's a lot of data that I didn't tell you about, but the age is one of them, uh, for sure. Yeah. A fantastic presentation, Morton, uh, delivered with great speed. Please, a big round of applause for Morton Munchow. <laughs>